Hey, and welcome to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman. I'm the pastor of Valley Christian Fellowship in Longview, Washington. And uh, welcome as we continue on our devotional journey through the New Testament, looking at portions of each chapter of the New Testament as we follow uh, along the Valley Reading Plan. Today we find ourselves in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is a, we're going to find an incredible story where Jesus is encountered by a man who is often called the rich young ruler. This is a wealthy man who sincerely comes to Christ, to talk to Christ, to to encounter Christ. This is a man who Jesus has a genuine love for, we see in the text, and, uh, and this is a man who ultimately walks away from Christ as Jesus calls him to a, to a deep faith and to discipleship. And so join with me. Let's pick up in verse 17. And here's what we see. It says, And as he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? Now this man, he comes to Christ and he says, uh, you're a good teacher. And he says, what must I do to inherit life? And this is an unusual phrase. People would often call others teacher. Good teacher, this descriptor word, it's unusual. And this man, by using the term good and also by kneeling before Jesus, um, man, this this guy's coming to Jesus with a with a lot of respect, with a lot of reverence toward Jesus. This is not one of the the religious leaders who want to trap Jesus. This guy, he is coming to Jesus with a sense of of earnestness. And it continues. It says, "And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God.'" Jesus says, "Why why do you use this term good teacher to me?" And uh, and and he adds on to this. He says, no one is good except God. Now, I want you to notice Jesus doesn't deny his goodness. Jesus, he leads this man along in in maybe having this man come to some conclusions about Jesus's identity. I don't think this man believed necessarily that Jesus was the second person of the triune God, um, but Jesus seems to potentially be leading him along. And uh, and so he asks him this question, and, and, then, uh, and then the text continues. It says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And so this, this is Jesus' way of giving a summary of the, the Ten Commandments. Now that one in there, defraud, is, is likely just a, a summary of the idea of, of coveting and what coveting could lead to. Um, yet in this, we, we see Jesus, he just, you, know the, you know what's expected. You know what's expected here. And, uh, and then the text continues. And the man says, uh, he said to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. All these I have kept from my youth. Now this guy, he's got a, uh, what we would call a religious righteousness. He has followed through with all of the, uh, all of the, the offerings and all of the rituals that would uh, be required of someone when they do sin. So this guy is, is, as Paul would say, blameless according to the law. It, it's an external righteousness. It's, I have kept the letter of the law, but, but not the spirit of the law. And then I have done all the right things if I have messed up. And so this guy is looking at himself with this, this blamelessness according to the law, this, this self-righteousness uh, but this is not the the internal law keeping. This man has kept the what we would call the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. This is a guy, kind of guy that would say, "I have never committed adultery." But Jesus talks about how 
He says, but I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. This guy would say, I, I, I've never murdered anyone, but Jesus would go deeper and say, do you harbor hate? Do you have murderous intent in your heart? And so Jesus, he, he, he looks at this, he, he hears this man, and then he responds. And he says, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. This is, uh, <laughs> this is what Jesus does to respond to this man. Jesus, he says, you know, maybe, uh, he, he doesn't actually comment on, on this man's righteousness internally. He says, one thing you lack, sell everything you have. Give all of the proceeds, all of the money that you make from selling all of your possessions, go and, and sell it and, and take that money and give it to the poor. And then you will, you will have treasure in heaven and then you can come and follow me. This man, he's looking to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, this is how you can have treasure in heaven. This is how you can store up for yourself in heaven treasure. And he says, and then come and follow me. Now, uh, this is a high expectation in, in a sense. Uh, this is a this is Jesus calling this man to to a sincere um, following of, of himself. And what Jesus is really doing here is he is he is exposing in this man his own heart. He he's saying I want to expose what's going on in you. Now notice Jesus doesn't do this in a mean spirited way. He's not judgmental. Uh, we actually see Jesus that says he looked at him. And he loved him. It's almost like Jesus sees the internal struggle in this man. This man, he, he loves the things of the world. He loves his wealth. He loves his riches. He loves his comfort. And, and, and he, wants, he wants the eternal things. He wants the things of God. Jesus shows this incredible love for this man who is lost. He exposes this man's heart, not by telling him, here's how you earn salvation. Here's what you need to do to earn salvation. But, but instead, he's, he's exposing this man's heart and showing that ultimately this man has failed to keep the commandments. Why? Because his love for God is, is overshadowed by his love for his wealth and his possessions. His love for his neighbor is lesser than his love for himself and his wealth and his possessions. He's really exposing this man's real issue, this issue of this man's heart. And this guy has said, I've kept all the commandments, but Jesus is really saying, you, you, you're missing the point of the commandments. You're missing the, the, the true call of the commandments. Well, let's keep going in the, in the text. It says, disheartened by the saying, he, the man, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And he said to him, and they said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but with God, but, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. 
Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, there's a lot that happens at the end of the story. There's a lot of inter- interaction between Jesus and his disciples. I mean, it says twice, it says they're amazed by his words and they're exceedingly astonished because in, in potentially in their mindset, that those who were rich, they were the ones who were blessed. Those were the ones that were likely the closest to the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus is saying, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. In fact, he says, being rich actually can prevent us from being near the kingdom of heaven. Does this mean rich people can't enter the kingdom of heaven? No. But oftentimes in our wealth, in our provision, we find our joy and our satisfaction. We find our hope in all of the things that we can accumulate rather than our hope and our joy and our, and our security in the Savior, in, in God and in, in Christ. And so this, this phrase, it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter heaven. This is really this idea that the rich, they, they can't buy their way into it. They can't earn their way into it. It actually creates more difficulty than it does ease, even though on this worldly view, it looks like they're blessed. That, that might not be the case. And, and they are astonished. They are exceedingly astonished. And, and then Jesus says, for man, it's impossible for someone to be saved. But with God, all things are possible. See, ultimately, salvation is not something we earn, something we work for. Ultimately, salvation is something that is found in God through Jesus and his death and resurrection. This is, this is the heart of the gospel. You and I, we can't earn it. It's a gift that has been given. And it's a gift that's given to those who are wealthy and those who are poor. It's a gift that are given to those of every ethnic uh, identity. And it's a gift that's given to, to man, to, to woman, to, to young, to old. All of it. All of it's a gift given from God. And ultimately, as we turn our back on the things of the world, as we, as we live humbly and maybe even sacrificially, as we choose to, to cling to Christ instead of clinging to the world, well, Jesus, his words to Peter ring true for us. He says, it's costly. Peter and the disciples, they left so much to follow Jesus. Following Christ is costly, but ultimately following Christ is worth it. It's worth it. It says, what we're going to have in the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, it is worth it. And so today, the, the ancient way for our modern day, the, the ancient way is to remember that salvation, it, first of all, it's impossible in and of ourselves. We can't keep the commandments, and, but, but ultimately those commandments reveal our great need for a savior. And while we can't save ourselves, Christ has saved us through his death and his resurrection. And so where we land today, following Christ, it's a gift to be saved. But then following Christ, it's costly. It's costly. Uh, are you willing to, uh, to let go of the things of this world to follow Christ? And Jesus doesn't say everyone has to sell everything to, and, and give to the poor to follow him. But, but following Christ is costly. We leave behind the things of the world. We live, leave behind the priorities of the world. Are, are you willing to do that? Are you doing that? And not only that, not only is it costly, but listen, it is worth it. 
It is so worth it to know the hope of the kingdom of heaven, know the hope of eternal life, to know that you are secure in Christ. Well, that's our devotion for Mark chapter 10. I hope you come back tomorrow as we jump into Mark chapter 11.